In 2022, 274 million people are in need of humanitarian assistance and protection. Preventing, mitigating and responding to humanitarian crises is a challenge. Can fiction and storytelling play a role? Can it raise awareness and motivate action to address the causes and consequences of humanitarian crises? My name is Ruth Mukwana and I host the Saha podcast, Stories and Humanitarian Action. Welcome to Sahapod. I have a great guest for you today. Before I introduce him, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to my channel. And if you enjoy listening to this interview, like, share, and comment. My guest today is Matteo Kofi Fraschini, who is a freelance journalist and writes photographs photographs, and produces documentaries for radio and TV. He works for Italian and foreign media, focusing exclusively on sub-Saharan Africa. As a war reporter and with a passion for investigative journalism, he has traveled to OPT, Israel, Romania, South Africa, Kosovo, Iraq, and Tajikistan. He has won the Premiolino Award and published a book diary, Fields of Red Gold, about his experience in the ghetto of Riganano. And his autobiography, The Black Elephant Calling, Confessions of a Journey in Search of One's Own Identity. Welcome, Matteo, to the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. And I'm going to jump right into it, um, especially I do want to talk to you a bit about your work as a journalist reporter. And then uh, before we get to talk about the book, Half of a Yellow Sun. So how did you end up in journalism? Uh, uh, as I always say, uh, it's really the profession that like, uh, chose me in a way. I actually didn't know what to do. Um, Briefly, um, I was born in Togo, a small country in Africa, in West Africa, and then I was um, adopted by an Italian family, um, and so I grew up in Italy uh, when I was like since I was ten months old. So around twenty-two, while I was trying to do university, I was trying to attend uh, with not uh, much of a success. Let's say that I, I. I don't know, I discovered reading, I discovered the profession of journalism, but in a way, yeah, I felt like she discovered me. So it just um, made me understand that that was exactly what I, what I was sort of uh, naturally uh, prone to do. So, so I started and um, always with the idea of going back to Africa because now I'm living here in Togo and I've been living in Africa since 2005. So with the idea of coming back to Africa and living there for the rest of my life, uh, I began like touring the world, in, um, you know, the countries that you have mentioned. So, so yes, I, I, I always felt mm-hmm. like I didn't know what to do and the profession chose me. Right. And what really drives you to this profession? 
Well, uh, for sure, it's uh, the curiosity, the curiosity that I have for, especially for people, then also for countries, for certain situations. So I'm very curious. I'm sure that this curiosity uh, will kill me one day, but I cannot help it. So let's say that I, I really, I really, uh, I need to know as much as I can about almost everything. Uh, it's sort of a dependency. It's sort of a, how do you say? Um, it's really I cannot, cannot help it. So, so that is the main thing that drives me to journalism. And then, of course, the fact that um, I, I was born in Africa, I was born in Togo, but I don't know where my roots are because my, you know, my biological parents didn't leave any traces. And so that kind of curiosity, that kind of uh, investigation that I did for a few months, and in a way I'm still doing, uh, helped me a lot with the profession. So it's, it comes a bit natural to me. Uh, so also the investi investigative side really draws me to this profession. Right. And one of the reasons I was interested in talking to you is because you also describe yourself as a war reporter. What does that exactly mean? Well, let's say that that was actually what I described myself when I used to go to Iraq, to, um, to other countries, you know, Israel, Palestine, you know, Somalia. But uh, I, I sort of grew disillusioned by this definition. I had to put it out of my website. Uh, I mean, you are a reporter. Then, of course, if your main topic is war, yeah, you can call yourself war reporter. But for example, I like investigative journalism much more than going to conflict. And uh, but still, it's a profession, especially the way uh, I do it, as other people do it, uh, as a freelance uh, in Africa and Black Italian as well. So it's a very particular uh, field, and you need to do as much as you can. So you cannot just do investigative reporting. You have to do daily news, you have to do reportage, you have to do a lot of stuff. So uh, let's say that my passion is actually investigative reporting, but uh, I have to do everything I can to survive. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, we all have to, right? And what kind of topics do you are you drawn to investigate? Well, usually, like, for example, I lived the past two years in Senegal, and I was very much into the into the way uh, natural resources and uh, society of a country works uh, I, it's not like denouncing uh, all the time about injustice to me it's more important to understand the system that is behind behind these injustices so for example i did in senegal an um, uh, investigation on the gold industry and that was for radio and for writing. Uh, I did also something on the new port, the future port of uh, Senegal, which is going to be uh, a few kilo, few, um, about 50, 60 kilometers down south from Dakar, the capital of Senegal, in a place, very small place called um, Dayan. And it's going to be the biggest port uh, of uh, the region, of the West African region. 
and they're going to do a lot of stuff. They're going to do like, uh, they're going to excavate, they're going to really go deep into the ocean to, uh, to get to the 18 meters of, uh, of depth uh, in order to have the big boats get in into the, close to the coast. So it's going to be a, 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 a real problem for, for, for the environment. But I really need to understand which companies were involved, uh, the dynamics, you know. So, so it was. I mean, I, I did I did it for a year, and uh, it was quite an interesting uh, uh, story. Very interesting story. Right, and coming back to some of the countries experiencing war that you've worked on. <coughs> excuse me. So Iraq, OPT, Ethiopia. I, I know you've done some work in Ethiopia as well. Oh, um, oh no, no, no. Not, not in Ethiopia. And I also... I was in Somalia. No, you haven't? Oh. Ah, Somalia. Yeah, sorry about that. So Somalia. I guess what, one of the questions I'm, I'm keen, and of course, you know, my own work as a humanitarian worker, you know, majority of uh, the focus is on countries affected by war. Uh, what are your what what are some of the things that stand out for you in these countries experiencing war? Well, I mean, it's as uh, many people say, in war you can find really the best of us and the worst of us uh, as human beings. So, I mean, it's it's um, it's a very de very delicate situation. Um, it really depends also on your character, uh, the way you approach the job, the way you approach certain situations uh, when you are in conflict. But yeah, I, I, I was, I'm always curious to see what's the worst and the best of what human beings can give. So uh, I'm not doing that much of, of conflict reporting because it's very expensive. I don't have the resources for that, and also in the investigation, I didn't. I, sometimes they last uh, months or years because I don't have the resources to approach them the way I would like to. But um, but yeah, I mean, mainly is that mainly I, I really I like to know the stories of people and what they are capable to do in a negative and positive world. Yeah. And maybe this is a good moment for us to segue into half, half, of, half of a yellow sun. Because again, yeah. this is a story that was set during the Biafra war. Um, and again, for me reading it, and maybe we can speak to some of this, it does bring elements of the best of humanity and also the worst uh, of humanity. Um, so for you, what is this book about? What is Half of a Yellow Sun about? Well, it's about uh, uh, different stories, which is what I like. I mean, different stories of human beings, uh, their weaknesses, their strength, their strengths. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's what I, I don't know, what I really am passionate, what I'm passionate about is understanding the story where people come from, uh, not just geographically, but really um, emotionally and their history 
So uh, I think that is, I mean, this book is one of the best that I've ever read. And also the way um, Chimamanda actually writes the book. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, it's, it's simple and uh, layered at the same time. I mean, it's, uh, it's really, for me, a masterpiece. So, so yeah, mainly it's the stories that draw me to this book. And what are some of those stories? Ah, yeah, some of those stories. I mean, what the story of the professor, for example, the way he's so radical about uh, tribes, ethnicities, um, the support of the Biafra region. Then, of course, the stories of the two sisters, uh, that even if they are twins, I mean, they are very much different. Um, so, uh, and then, of course, also the story of this, let's say, the servant. So the guy that takes care of the house uh, for a master and um, the way he develops uh, slowly, slowly. So, I mean, I, I think all, all of them are very interesting. Also, like, uh, smaller stories, you know, that you find in the book and that maybe I've just uh, mentioned. But uh, no, it's something that really uh, is, is so much interesting to me uh, to read. And um, I read it every once in a while, actually. I mean, maybe part of it. Because it's also, it's also a, a very good source of inspiration for me. So, so yes, I mean. Yeah. And maybe just uh, to situate the listeners as well. So the twins, the twin sisters, that's Kainene and Olana. And then the professor, that's Odenibo. The houseboy is Ugu. And then the other smaller stories, uh, the other houseboy is Harrison, who's another houseboy. Not a big character, but quite a big character, I would say, in the story as well. And then there's Richard as well. Who is uh, who comes to Nigeria initially as a journalist, if I remember, but then is trying to write this book. I think those are the the main characters, and these are the stories that uh, you're talking about, and how all of the their basically lives intertwine throughout the book. Um, yeah. Maybe this is a good moment for you to read an excerpt from the book. Yeah, actually, I, I, I I'm sorry to say it's not about being lazy. It's just the first. A uh, few lines that actually tell the whole, uh, uh, in, a, in a sense, the whole tale. Because they, and also, is as a writer and journalist, you really need to nail the first few lines of the story. Otherwise, people don't go ahead and read it. So let me just read the first few lines. They start with, um, "Master was a little crazy. He had spent too many years reading books overseas." talked to himself in his office, did not always return greetings, and had too much hair. Ubu's auntie said that this, is in a, said this in a low voice as they walked on the path. But he's a good man, she added, and as long as you work well, you will eat well, you will even eat meat every day. So, I, I mean, this is something very uh, simple in a way, but also complicated for probably a guy like Ubu that uh, it seems like he's seeking explanation about this uh, 
his employer, his new employer from his end. And, um, and so that tells you, that gives you really the first footprint of how the book will go on. Uh, and there are simple phrases, there are simple concepts, if you want, but they're very solid, they're very, they're, they're basic, solid concepts. And I think that this is, uh, uh, I mean, I, I cannot stop reading it once I start with these lines. So, so yeah, I mean, for me, are the most important ones. Yeah, no, thank you for reading that. And also thank you for that comment about um, the opening, the first line of a book. I think <laughs> every writer is uh, hungering for that one first line that is going to draw the reader into the story and want them to buy the book and read it. And of course, Chimamanda does that beautifully, really beautifully in those first few lines. You're absolutely right about that. Um, it also introduces one of the main characters, Ugo himself. And uh, and I'm glad you kind of say, you know, it's one of the things you say about the book. It is simple, but it's very layered and complex at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I really... Have I lost um, you? No, no, I'm here. Just uh, what I really uh, enjoyed is really the way she writes, more maybe than what she writes, uh, Chimamanda. I mean, the way she um, characterized the different people in the book, the, in the, the story, even the context that she's able to explain, you know, the context of war or, or pre-war, um, the way she explains it, with sometimes just small examples. I don't know, the tomatoes that are not ripe enough, uh, uh, they're not uh, good enough to be taken, and you understand that it's connected to the world, to a much more complex situation. So I really like maybe more the way she writes the book than the stories themselves. So going back, yeah, to Hugo, one of the main characters as well, as, as we were saying earlier, but maybe coming back to one of the reasons, I, I mean, I, I like the book. I've read it many times. In fact, I read it recently again because I was going to speak, use it for a speech. I was giving um, on storytelling and creating empathetic and compassionate characters. And I actually was using her book to do that. But also a book that also deals with issues around social justice and war. So I thought, kind of thought, okay, she really does a good, fantastic job in most of her books. Um, but one of the things that I want to ask you a little bit about is, especially if also given your work um, in some of the countries we were talking about experiencing war, and a big part of this book is actually during the war itself. And so... What are some of the elements from this book that would really help a reader get a sense or understanding of what it is like to be in a war? Well, uh, let's say that uh, I was really uh, struck by one uh, smaller role in the book that is uh, that of um, the friend, the military friend of... Um, uh, of Kainene, and uh, he, I think, Kainene, he was either, I think. Uh, yeah, Kainene, either a colonel or a general, 
but he he was uh, before the war started. I mean, he was portrayed as a strong man that had you know wasn't afraid of anything, that had a big voice, that uh, was very you know pompous, very uh, out there, and then he disappears for a few for some time, and uh, when the war starts, and he's able to come back to survive, but. The way he is now, it's really a skinny guy that uh, maybe was not even able to speak well because of what he saw, what he had to endure. So you understand how in a war anything can change in a in a in a second. You know, I mean, you, I, I really get that that feeling, uh, the physical feeling, and also of course the the more perceptual feeling of what it is when there is no war and when there is. Uh, war and this um, character really helps, I think, to to portray that well. Yeah, and one of the things, and I'm glad you also mentioned the, the, one of the. I mean, it's difficult because also the Kano, he's not a main character, but he's such a big character in, in the story. And I think to me, you speak to one of the things I really appreciate about the book, um, which probably doesn't come through in our work. In fact, not probably, it really doesn't, whether it's media, whether it's humanitarian work. I think we talk about people when they are in the situation of the war and what is happening and what is going on and less about their lives before the war. So one of the things I really liked about this book is meeting all of these characters years and, you know, kind of living and being with them for years before the war and then seeing how the war starts and how their lives are really changed within a very short period. Yeah, I mean, uh, everyone, mm. you, you really understand um, in, the, in the book how everyone is affected by it. Uh, the war, um, and also the, I mean, Kainene is kind of a, uh, portrayed in a controversial uh, dimension because she, she, it looks like she's also profiting in a way from the war, but it's what really happens uh, in uh, such crisis, in such difficult situations. So um, I understand how, you know, it's very, uh, you have to be very good at, describing how the impact of the war uh, is so important on uh, on people. Yeah. And again, coming back to Kainene as well, and Kainene is quite a complex character, and I think, you know, <coughs> excuse me, she does profit from the war. She's a businesswoman um, before the war starts and continues to be a businesswoman during the war and profits from it although by the end we also see she's doing a lot of work to help uh, people displaced um, by the war itself but doesn't it also speak to the point about war you know you have people who lose everything and then you have people actually who profit from the war yeah I mean you can see it very well I don't know, in a place like Somalia, where there's been war for the past more than 30 years, um, 
I've been in Somalia twice when I was like living in Kenya. Uh, and um, and I actually for a few days, but in, in a sense, it was like at the hype of the terrorism, you know, 2010, uh, before the Al-Shabaab actually left uh, Mogadishu, the capital. But uh, what taught me most, I think, is the Somali friends that I had, that I still have, in Somalia, in Kenya, and uh, and so they really they really made me meet uh, people that are much involved in a war. So it's a very complex uh, situation, but you can see all the different aspects of war, positives, if you can say, and negatives. So. Um, you can see the person that profits from it, but also the person that is able to give, to sacrifice uh, him or herself for, for it, for, us, for um, I don't know, for refugees, for uh, his family, her family. So, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a scary context, uh, war, uh, but at the same time, I think you can also uh, in a way, learn uh, a lot of stuff about human beings. Uh, and so uh, now, of course, I'm not saying I'm not pro-war, <laughs> for peace, but I'm just saying <laughs> that context like that, in a context like that, uh, there are opportunities uh, for, uh, different opportunities for people uh, that sometimes, of course, are very much um, very much uh, negative, but also some positive aspects. As I say, as I said before, you can really see the best of people sometimes in a conflict situation or in a disaster situation. Yeah, I agree. And it's, I mean, talking about war is really complicated and I know you're pro, pro peace, so don't worry about that. Um, but I guess in a way, I guess to me, you're speaking to a point about war, especially we, we have so many protracted wars, wars that have been there for so long. And people have to learn to live and cope in that kind of situation. And so within that, I guess, you know, one has to really think about opportunities. Otherwise, you know, how do you how do you live in that in a war situation for ten years? you know absolutely 10 20 40 i mean the longest war is actually in uh in senegal with the south of senegal the casamance they started in the 80s um i mean it's it's uh one thing that you also learn in this conflict situation i think is what uh human beings really need i mean the the essence of what they need the, the basic and you learn to live with it, you know, the essential uh, things that every human being needs. So uh, it's a challenge. It's a real, real challenge. And, uh, and it's something that sometimes, you know, where, when there is, let's say, peace, we forget about it. And we start to be, I don't know, less humble towards life. So uh, it's very complicated. To talk about these things, of course, but uh, it's the I'm trying to understand the different aspects of a conflict situation. Yeah, I read a book recently 
and I forget the title, and I know I interviewed somehow some, someone on it, but because, you know, in the human, in human turn work, um, we're always talking about life-saving needs, which is basically the, you know, the essentials, the basics. You know, do you have food? Do you have water? Do you have access to a toilet? Um, do you have access to medical facilities? Really the very material elements of it. Of course, we talk about human rights and protection and things like that. Uh, we even talk less about hygiene products for women, which is something we actually need to do. But I was reading this book, um, I have to remember the title, but that was really basically written about in about 24 hours, where you have this man and woman um, at the end of the war in Sri Lanka and really going through what those 24 or 48 hours were. And one of the things I had never really thought about was what I take for granted every day, you know, the ability to have a bath, to feel clean, to wash your hair. And, and that's something that we really, really, these are some of the things that, you know, you know the human connection as well, exactly. Um, exactly. love and the kind of things that we really don't talk about a lot yeah. or enough. Yeah, I was thinking actually about that. I mean, the, uh, one of the most interesting or uh, important things is really the human connection that you have uh, that in certain countries um, especially in the West let's say uh, they they produce different dynamics uh, I was like I don't know it's like three weeks ago I was in Italy for a few days and even with my best friends, with the friends that I know since I was little, it's very difficult first to meet them, okay? It looks like you have to book uh, the visit like days in advance. Uh, when here, I mean, um, you just ask to a friend, you want to go for a beer? 99% of the time they tell you yes. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and they, also the conversation that we had, uh, for me, even with my best friends in Italy, I s can see them uh, struggling, understanding what I'm living uh, in Africa, like if it's another planet. Uh, in a way, I understand it could be, it could be perceived as another planet because there are some, 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 some different, so much different things. I mean, the human connection is so different here. The community, the sense of community, the sense of uh, of uh, also sometimes integrating, let's say, into uh, another person's culture, but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, the conversation I have here, they are never dull. I mean, they and they they talk about real problems, you know. I mean, real problems, and I have to admit, I prefer to talk about real problems than than fake ones. Uh, so, like I do uh, a lot of time in. Uh, when I'm back in Milan. So, uh, I don't know. Um, that's why I'm staying here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think to me, I think it's basically the gap between the, the inequalities and in, in where the different countries are. Because I often feel um, if I don't have a meal, if I don't know where my meal today is going to come today, that's what I'm going to be talking about and not, you know, where I'm going to be having a drink. So I think to me, it's kind of the inequality in where we are as countries. 
And then that kind of determines what we are obsessing with. But if you haven't experienced it, it's very difficult to relate to it. It's very difficult to understand that actually these people who don't have food, these people who don't have water, uh, when you're throwing food away, uh, you know, it's like... <laughs> no, no, it's of course, of mm. course. It's a different context. So, so yeah, mm. I mean, you, 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 I don't know. Everyone has his own, you know, uh, way of living, his own tastes. So, I mean, here in Africa, here in Togo, uh, this is this is my taste. It's what I actually want to live. Um, it's where I yeah. feel like I'm learning so much. So, so yeah, everyone is his own yeah. you know, story. Yeah. So coming back to the book, is there anything else um, that you can think about, especially I, you're a writer, you write nonfiction, you're a storyteller as well, but what other elements about this book from your perspective teach us something about war? Well, if it's about war, I think also that perspective of, um, connected to Richard which is, uh, of course, it's an English man. He's a white man, and uh, and he lives in Africa. He decides he chooses to live to live in Africa. It's a um, it's a choice dictated by love for Kainene, I'm sure, but also I think for the country and the, maybe the historical period uh, of the country. So it's a bit like, I mean, I don't know, some of some human beings, they really want to be witness to changes, and mm -hmm. I'm one of them. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's the real curiosity that I think he has, you know, from articles that he's supposed to write. Of course, he thinks then about a book, and, um, and I, I can only imagine the conflict that he had, I mean, within himself. Uh, of being like, uh, you know, the uh, citizen of a colony of a colonial power, and uh, being that colony as well. So it teaches you a lot about the dynamics of, uh, you know, people, states, and war, and uh, and um, dialogue. So of course, is many times, oftentimes in the book, I mean, is referred to as the you know, as part of the colonial empire, uh, even if he's not, he doesn't. Well, it feels like he's he is in a, in, a, in a way he is, but he's also part of the other side. You know, so so it, it teaches you a lot about that. Yeah, no, I like Richard. Uh, he's such a likable character. Um, he's very complex, very conflicted, um, and wanting to do good. And I think. If I remember correctly, when the war started, he actually really wanted to be identified as a Biafran, especially when he writes to do the, the, the report writing. And I guess you speak to that point of you associated with who you were or what you look like, regardless of what your beliefs might be, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, and you, I think you're also your mind changes uh, or develops like every day. I mean, in every conversation yeah. that you have, in that context, in every I don't know person you meet, you develop 
the, in a way you grow, you grow up. So, so of course, yeah, it's a, a continuous, you know, uh, changing pattern. I think that as human beings, we, we experience when we are in this kind of context. Yeah. Matteo, I'm going to slowly come to the end of our conversation. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Half of a Yellow Sun? Well, about the book, uh, aside from the fact that really I try to read it, to read the book as much as I can, to reread it, and a side effect from the fact that I would like to meet the the author one day. But actually, I I, I met her indirectly. I was at one of her conferences in uh, in Milan, and actually, mm -hmm. my 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 son, uh, it was silence as she was talking, and my son it was very little at the time. Was uh, I don't know? He did something. Either he cried a little bit, and she stopped <laughs> and she said, "Oh." So in a way, I felt like I already met her, but I'd be glad to really meet her in person one day. I hope that will come true for you. And thank you for sharing that story as well. Um, do you have any questions for me? How are you? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> no, I hope this no, uh, I'm doing... initiative that you have, I hope it's going well. So I think it's a very smart idea to, this is still, you know, continue uh, um, sharing stories. I think it's how we learn about ourselves and about the world. Yeah. No, and, 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 and um, I, I will do it as long as I can. Of course, uh, finding the time is always a challenge, but I know this time is a challenge for, for everyone. Um, and maybe what you just said is probably the answer to my last question for you, which is if there's one action that people who will listen to this conversation take to address the causes and consequences of war, what would be that one thing for you? I mean, to me, it goes back to the curiosity. They have to be curious about what is inside of them and also what is outside of them around them uh, because otherwise if you just don't care war is much more uh, possible to continue so really trying to understand the context the people the history of a certain situation and just by talking to some people sometimes you know the reaches to the higher levels and, and this dialogue can actually and a lot of suffering. So yeah, it's the Thank you. Thank you for that. And that is my last question for you. Thank you for speaking with me today, Matteo. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this interview with Matteo. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, like, share, and comment on this interview. I'd like to thank Jamal Swift, my co-producer, and the Nomadic Band for the music. Thank you.